Welcome to Permission to Thrive. I'm your host, Susie Lula. As a spiritual therapist for over 20 years, I have the honor and privilege of ushering women and mothers just like you on a journey from simply surviving to powerfully thriving. I also have the honor of raising our son, Will, who is now a young adult with my longtime partner, Jamie. So I'm right there on the journey with you. Consider this your personal sanctuary, your space to meet your heart, embrace your messy, and come home to your most authentic, extraordinary self. My hope is that you leave resourced and inspired because you are here to shine. Welcome to Permission to Thrive. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Permission to Thrive. You are in for such a treat today because I am in conversation with the Michael Bernard Beckwith. This conversation is so near and dear to my heart, and I know it will be to yours as well. It's such a personal, intimate, and real conversation filled with such wisdom. I know you have the potential to literally leave this conversation changed, more expanded and more transformed than when you arrived. For those of you who aren't familiar with Michael Bernard Beckwith, I introduce him formally when we are in conversation. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But in the meantime, in our conversation, we spoke about his own personal journey of thriving in his own life, how to move from merely surviving to true thriving in our lives, how we're all here to go from role to soul and then bring your soul energy back into the roles in your life. We talk about the real thing that you needed and our children need from us to truly thrive in life, how to create the conditions for yourself and the conditions for our children and everyone in our lives to truly thrive. He talks about his own personal journey to learn to rest and why it's so important and so powerful that we all learn to give ourselves permission to rest in our lives and how resting can truly assist you to create a truly thriving life. We talk about those and so much more. So sit back, relax. This is your time to rest and receive. Much love, everyone. Hi, welcome to Permission to Thrive. I am so pleased, delighted to have with you one of my dearest friends on planet Earth, the Michael Bernard Beckwith. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Reverend Susie, it's my joy to be with you, as you know. And just off the top, when people say my dearest friends, people say that, it's like a throwaway statement. But this is really true. <laughs> We've known each other for so many years at, at the depth of our being and so many unfoldments. So when you say friend, it's real. And I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. It's real. And this is exactly my intention for our time together is to allow everyone to really get to know you and the real stellar individual man that you are. So I'm so grateful for your time, for you being here. I want to just ask everyone before we dive in, because you guys are in for such a treat, if we can just all take a moment right where you are, take a nice deep breath in and just give yourself permission to be fully present for this conversation. You're gonna get a peek into and behind the scenes of Michael Bernard Beckwith, maybe get a cup of tea, whatever it is for you, that allows you to be present and really enjoy and receive this conversation. So I'm gonna begin by sharing a little formal introduction for those of you who are just getting to know Michael Bernard Beckwith. If you don't know, he is the founder and spiritual director of the Agape International Spiritual Center, which is a global community. And Agape is really known for its cultural, racial, and spiritual diversity and inclusivity. So that is one of the hallmarks of what you have founded here and and what you are devoting your life to. So not only that, 
you are a prolific author. You have written many books, but there are four that to me are paramount for anyone really interested in diving in to their own spiritual practice and personal growth and development. So those books are, and they will be listed in the show notes, but those books are Spiritual Liberation. Just listen to the title of that, Spiritual Liberation. Who does not want that? Life Visioning, Answer is You, and Mind Fast, Soul Feast. You have worked and collaborated with everyone from His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, to Bruce Lipton, to Oprah, which makes you also such a prolific wisdom teacher. So, and then I guess I just have to add, as you were saying at the beginning, on a personal note, I would be completely remiss to say that you have, we have, we've known each other for so long. You married my husband, Jamie and I, you are our son, Will's godfather. And then you and I just serve in so many ways together on the board of trustees together at Agape, the Agape University board together. So we're always, we're either teaching together, playing together, going to the movies together. <laughs> so, but we gotta do I more of that. <laughs> have to do more of that. And my intention is for everyone to really get to know you. So welcome. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm here for you. <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is that perhaps people project onto you because you're such a renowned spiritual teacher that your life is perfect. Mm. And I would love for you to speak a little bit about how you do live such a rich and thriving life, what would you want people to know about you in that area? Well, it's perfectly unfolding, <laughs> but life is, uh, my life, anyone's life is not meant to be lived without challenges. That's uh, a part of the game we play when we come here. There's challenges in different areas of our life that have the tendency to be what I call evolutionary triggers that allow us to go deep and find the potential within us that could not be released without the challenge. Mm -hmm. So as you just mentioned, being at the helm of a spiritual community for 36 years, there's the challenges of that community. There's finances, there's staff, there's equipment, there's locations, there's all manner of things that have to do with that because a spiritual community is also a business. And so you think about someone running a business and then you throw in a staff and you throw in a spiritual teaching, throw in spiritual practices, everything. Uh, my, my, one of my teachers used to say, wherever you see a human being, you'll see human consciousness, <laughs> some level of human consciousness. So you think about the, the thousands of people that, that passed through over, over the last 36 years, manifest all manner of challenges. And including what you just said, which is projection. People have a tendency, anybody who steps into any kind of a leadership role, <clears throat> who is drafted, most, most true leaders are drafted. Most true leaders aren't trying to be leaders. They end up being drafted because of their gift, their talent, the presence. They answer a calling. When I look back at my life, I didn't see myself as a big public person. Mm. It's more introspective. My, my natural proclivity is is solitude, is silence, is I love being alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so to see the evolution of Michael, to be able to be in front of large audiences and to be with people was not my first nature. I grew into that. So there was challenges in that, growing into that. I, I resisted that, as a matter of fact, as the calling came upon me to start a community and to be public, I actually tried to derail it a couple of times. It's like, no, I really like the way my life is right now. I like how I'm serving. I'm a spiritual practitioner. I'm doing workshops. I'm doing seminars. But to start a community? to Oh, no, that's not for me. And so I had to grow of aspects of myself. I had to, we talk about permission to thrive. I had to give myself permission to allow that which was within me to begin to come forward. And that was a big deal. I had the challenge of receiving love. I was a good individual to serve, to share, to radiate, to be there for people. But if it came towards me, I, I, I had an unconscious block to it. It was almost as if that version of Michael didn't deserve it. I had to do something to deserve it. I had to like 
go to great lengths to do things in order to deserve good coming into me. So that was a challenge in my life that I began to, again, give permission for that part of me that doesn't need any external validation at all. It's just the presence, falling in love with the presence of God is my life. So as I look at the arc of my evolution over the years, I can see the different versions of Michael and what he transcended and transmuted to in order to be the, the version that's here today. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't peaches and cream. It was real diligent, mm -hmm. activating the sacred yes, activating surrender, yielding, saying yes, being willing, surrender. These are all words that are now just a part of the teaching, but they had to be put into deep practice in order for those in, inner impediments that would be projected onto the world to be dissolved. So, so that's why I say we're all perfect. We're, we're all a perfect idea held in heart, mind of the infinite. And we, we're not into perfectionism. That's where society will, you know, you should do this. You should look like this. You shouldn't do that. No, there's a perfect idea about us. And we are perfectly unfolding, even when it looks messy. Even when it looks messy, there's a perfect unfoldment. Um, you know, when, when a seed is breaking open, it's messy. But that's perfectly unfolding for that seed to break open like that and to die to being a seed, to being shoots and roots, roots and shoots, you see. So I look at our life the same way. We're perfectly unfolding. We're not going for perfectionism. We're not going for other people's idea of who we should be. It's an inside job. Yes. It's an inside oh my, job. Oh my gosh, I'm. this is just already so juicy and why I wanted to have this conversation. And so I just wanna slow this down for a minute and unpack it because literally, we could just listen to what you just said and just meditate on that every day for a month. You have so many kernels of speaking my language in what you just said. First and foremost, what speaks to me and I think what has so many people get stuck in our lives because culture really indoctrinates us to resist the messy and not to embrace the messy. So I'll start where you ended and work backwards. When you talk about a seed and, and it's bursting forth and it's messy, you're speaking my language. And you mentioned this, we were in uh, some meeting this week. I don't remember where you mentioned it, but you mentioned the phrase, no mud, no lotus. Right. <laughs> it was in the board meeting. You said, no mud, no lotus. And I just love this because I think that I have so much compassion for individuals because we are indoctrinated to resist the messy. We aren't taught how to be in a relationship with the messy and why permission to thrive is su such a passion for me is because I think because of that cultural indoctrination, we get stuck when we feel the messy and life can be messy and we get stuck and we don't know how to navigate it. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that over the course of your life, one of the things that you do is practice. Mm, so you yeah. practice navigating your messy and therefore you can mine the gems that come from it. And as you said, it's, it's not always easy. It's a simple concept, but to be in the midst of something that's messy mm -hmm. and find those gems is a practice. And I just, I want people to hear that you have had your messy as well. You, you had to learn how to go from being an introverted, quiet person to be on a stage and the different things that you've already mentioned, you've learned to navigate them. Absolutely. You know, there's really aren't any problems. There's just the way you break down a problem is it's what a person wants or don't want. And so when a person is locked into what should or shouldn't be, there's an issue. But when you just look at what is in your life, you may be something we're calling messy. There's something you don't like, something you don't want. If you just look at it and, and accept that that's the way it is right there, that's you can't run away from it. Then resistance dissolves. You're no longer resisting the mess. You're no longer resisting what you say you don't want in that moment. And when resistance disappears, then you evolve, you begin to thrive, you start to get guidance, you start to get that inner wisdom begins to be activated. Many people just resist the what is. They resist, and when you resist it, that creates a problem. You know, this shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't be happening this way. Well, it is. 
You can't, you know, you can't go into wishful thinking and uh, wishful thinking has no power. Wishful thinking sounds like, well, I wish I hadn't done what I did. I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was somewhere else. I wish I was someone else. It doesn't have any power. But when you just are with whatever's happening, then when resistance dissolves, openings happen, possibility, you start to see possibility, opportunities start to show up. But many people are walking through life resisting their own life. They're resisting their own greatness. They're, re they're resisting their own happiness because things aren't the way they think it should be. And we, we have a society that hypnotizes people into thinking that, okay, by the time you're this age, you should be married. By the time this age, you should have graduated from college. Then you should have your house. Then you should have your 2.5 kids. And then this should happen. This should happen. There's no life like that. That, that doesn't exist. Most people don't go to college. Most people are, if they were just to embrace themselves, then their life would unfold according to their pattern, not to the way society thinks it should be. Yeah. I think it was Emerson that talked about the fact that a weed is just a plant where no one knows its benefits yet. So most people are just weeds growing according to a, a, a unique pattern within themselves. Then they block themselves because they compare themselves to what should be according to society. Forget that nonsense. Let yourself grow into what you're to be, not what society says you should be or what age you should be doing this or should be doing that. It's, that none of that is real. It's just made up. Yeah. Yeah. It is a heavy indoctrination. And I'm thinking of so many clients as you're speaking and different women and mothers. And I'd love for you to speak to this because what you're saying takes a tremendous amount of courage to actually walk through. And this is why I have such reverence for anyone on a real path of spiritual growth, personal growth and expansion, because in my experience and working with clients, what you're saying takes so much courage when we are indoctrinated. Let's just take a mom raising young kids. Let's take a woman who's working a corporate job and coming home to maybe her kids or men have equally as many indoctrinations. Yeah. And when I think of, let's just take a, a woman, <clears throat> a mom, excuse me, and I think, wow, what would it take for that mom to let go of all of the cultural indoctrinations that say, basically, don't be feminine anymore. Don't mm. be a mom. Don't slow down your life enough to really connect with your child, to really be present because you have to be achieving something and your kid has to be at three sports activities or <laughs> how you look as a mom is reflected by how your child behaves and all of these indoctrinations about achievement and success, misunderstandings about success, misunderstandings, myths. So if you could speak to the actual process that someone might go through. I know for me, when Will was young, my son Will was young, to be that first mom to say, you know what, we're actually not going to go to so many activities. We're actually just going to slow down. Or when your hmm. kids come over to our house, we actually don't do media. And we actually are going to go dig in the backyard. And I can remember being nervous about saying that to other people because I was going against the cultural norm. Yeah. But when I did, what I got back were these moms going, oh my gosh, I have been waiting for somebody to say they were going to go in the backyard and dig instead of putting their kid in front of us. Like, so to be the first one to live your own mm. way, could you speak mm. to that a little bit? You, you, you unpacked a lot of things. When we say the word mom, First of all, it is a cultural vibration just on the word. Mm -hmm. Just and, and as you said, you started to unpack it a little bit of what all that means. And I think when a, a woman, and we can say dad too, that has an impact. We say godfather, we can say grandfather, whatever. But right now we're talking about mom. That is a role. And that role has been superimposed by society with all the meaning of that role, of which you went against, of which you went against to raise your son. And so a woman has to understand that that's a role and you don't want to be a role mate. You want to be a soul mate. So the inner work that's done is to find you. 
And then when you find you, then that gets infused into being mom. Mm -hmm. Now, oftentimes, then moms sometimes were superimposed upon their kids. Oh, I want my kid to be an attorney or a doctor or whatever. And that becomes a kind of an oppressive energy that we put on the kid. Actually, the role of mom from the soul is to make sure that kid grows up safe, loved, nurtured, and the con creates the condition that that kid wants to be a, the best version of him or herself, not to be a football player or a doctor or a basketball player or an attorney, but to be himself. After that, his soul will call how he's to contribute to the world. But if a mom stuck in the role, then projects onto the kid, well, I want you to be a doctor, then the whole milieu of motherhood gets skewed. And the kids get abused psychologically, not on purpose. It's all done out of love, mm -hmm. but it's done from a role coming from society. So you broke free from that role. No media, you're going into nature, and your son's a lover of God. He's a lover of humanity. He's a lover. He's just a, he's a love guy. And he's found his calling to, to bring about wonderful ways to uplift consciousness through media and through filmmaking. So you're breaking against that role, being just the, the loaded word of mom, not real mom, has created a condition for a kid to thrive and discover himself and continue to discover himself, you see. So, yeah, so many people, we can do dad, we can do all kinds of things, but people have to come out of the role and get in tune with their soul. Mm. The soul energy mm. infuses whatever role you're in. You could be a teacher, you could be a mom. Mm. You can be an artist, whatever role you're in in the given moment is infused by your connection with your soul. Mm. Oh, I just love this so much because society shows us so clearly what the role looks like. But when you're speaking of someone getting connected to the energy of their soul, the, the soul energy is the connection, the slowing down. Every one of us wants to feel seen and connected and valued. And the soul is the place that when we reside in the soul, when we reside in the heart, mm -hmm. we're actually able to then complete the circulation of what the person really wants, which is the, that delicious connection. Speak more to the soul and the energy of the soul and the heart. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you're using the word thrive. And so when we start to come in contact with our soul faculty and it begins to awaken in us, we're moving out of survival into thriving. Now, the roles that we play are mainly built for surviving. I got to make sure my kids survive. I got to survive. I got to make this happen. It's rush, 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 rush. I'm a soccer mom. I'm a this mom, I'm a baseball player. I'm doing all these things, but it's coming from a part of the brain in which we're mainly moving from survival. When we start to emanate from the soul, that's abundance. Mm. That's connection. It's like I have more than enough time. I have more than enough love. I have more than enough everything, even if it hasn't even manifested yet. But I'm in tune with my soul faculty. And so in being in tune with my soul faculty, I have access now to wisdom and guidance, moving through my intuition, moving through my direct knowing, that I would not have if I'm just caught up in a role and that role is saying I should do this. I become a doobie, 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 doobie. I'm doing all the right things, but how come it's not turning out right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not the right person. We see so many instances where individuals have enough money. They seem to be doing all the right things. And the child is not really in the condition. You know, I'll tell you a true story. A couple brought their son to me for counseling. The mom and dad brought him in and they wanted to just drop him off, you know, like fix him. And I'm saying, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I need to meet with you guys first. The dad was like, why do you need to meet with us? He's he's stealing things from the stores and when he really respects you. And we, I said, no, no, I need, I need to understand the condition that the kid is in, you know, so I need to meet with you guys first. So anyway, the mother and fathers began to talk about their life. They were pretty well off financially. And the father was a collector of art. He was always like traveling to get the latest art piece, whether it was from Colombia or Africa or wherever. He was, he was a collector. And I, and I forgot what the mom was doing. She was a housekeeper, but she was also an artist. And so as I began to listen to them, it was easy for me to see. I caught this insight 
that the son was mimicking the dad. He was collecting things. In other words, when they went under his bed, they found all these little hot, car, hot wheel cars that he had been stealing from the store. And they were lined up very neatly. Mm. And all these other things he'd been stealing that they didn't know he was stealing mm. were all curated neatly under his bed. Mm. And so when I, I brought this to their attention, I said, well, basically, your son is basically mimicking you. What you have found to be so important in your life was collecting things. Mm. And so that's the condition that you're raising him in. Mm. And I suggest that what becomes very important to you is that you love your kid, that you mm. create the condition of just being with him and just loving him mm. and, and activating other qualities rather than a collecting things. He was a little, a little bit upset about what I was sharing with him, but the wife got it. Mm. She said, oh, my God, he's just copying you. Mm -hmm. He's copying what you think is important. So we have to make him important mm -hmm. rather than collecting things. Mm -hmm. And anyway, uh, so going back to what you were saying, that he caught up in his role as collector. He was a collector. He had money. He was collecting. And he imposed that upon his kid accidentally. Yes. That was the condition of the household. Yes. So when we come from our soul, what's important? Love. What's important? Good communication. What's important? Compassion, kindness. We create a condition so we're actually giving permission for the highest and best of that kid to come forward. Mm. And if he wants to be an artist, he wants to be a collector, he wants to be a baseball player, he wants to be a basketball player, he wants to be a filmmaker, it will be from his soul infusing into those things that we do, you see. So that the, the, the role of a the, the soulful role of a parent is to create the condition for a child to become the best version of themselves, not to be a doctor, not to be an attorney. Nothing's wrong with those things if that's their calling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love what you're saying. It's just so warm over me. It's so it's nurturing. It's feeding me. I think we all need to hear more of this to give ourselves permission to have the courage to shed some of what has been placed upon us and to take that time to connect with our soul because especially as a woman you know woman's intuition a mother's intuition we all have intuition men women but a yeah. mother's intuition i know that in working with people you know every mother knows that deep down this treadmill that we're on isn't going to create the atmosphere that you're talking about. You just said the word atmosphere and environment. I always say that the mother is the spiritual heart of the family, the spiritual heart of the home. And we mothers can be so disconnected from our own heart because we've been in this masculine indoctrination from, yeah. a, from a toxic masculinity, a toxic patriarchy. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit. I just want to bask one more moment to say any woman listening for sure, please give yourself the spaciousness to perhaps begin to explore what is your soul really calling for? Mm -hmm. If you are a mother with children, what is your soul calling for? How are you longing to really connect? Because what I know is as much as our children want to connect with us, I know it's every mother's dream to be connected to her child. Mm -hmm. You're speaking of creating that environment, creating an atmosphere that sounds so simple, but it's what most of us didn't receive. So I have so many questions for you. I'd love to hear <laughs> whether, whether you receive that, how you received it. I'd also love to hear as a man, because you mentioned earlier, you mentioned about receiving love and your journey that you're a giver. Yeah. You're so comfortable in the <laughs> giver role. Your journey with receiving, I think I would love to hear about that. I know people would love to hear about that because in our culture, we're all masculinized right now, you know? And so that receiving, that receptivity, I think is so important. And I'd also love to hear, you can answer in any order, pick and choose your own journey. I know you were a young father and mm -hmm. we're also starting a community mm -hmm. and anything about your relationship and being a father, being a male, 
receiving, receiving love. And lastly, I'll throw in many questions, um, <laughs> resting, resting, because I think they all go together. Receiving permission to rest. I know as a woman, as a mother, we are not given that permission to rest anymore. Rest has become not valued. A bad four-letter word. <laughs> a bad four-letter word. And I know as, as a man, I know from my husband, Jamie, and, and I'd love to hear your perspective and your journey around these things, receiving love, rest, yeah. any which place you want to go to. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there. First of all, you mentioned something about my own mother and my own family. And I've watched my mother evolve because she was a young mother. And I watched her evolve mm -hmm. from staying at home in the kitchen, cooking, taking care of the kids, to becoming an administrator and becoming a, 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 a civil rights political activist and started the Alice's Quiet Mind bookstore at Agape. And I watched her evolve. And my mother was a, a caretaker and a lover of, of humanity. My father was a probation officer that went to law school later in life. And he was the oldest man in his law class, graduated, had a wonderful career in law, and then became a judge. He retired as a judge. Mm -hmm. So what I learned from them was unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Because whenever growing up through teenager, et cetera, through young adult, the mistakes that I made, they never withheld love from me. Mm -hmm. you know, they may not have liked the choice I made or what I did, but there was never, I never felt withhold. It was never like, I don't love you anymore because you did this thing or you said this thing. So that got ingrained in me, unconditional love. They just loved me. I remember I made a big mistake. I was selling drugs, selling, not drugs, but now it's all legal weed. And my dad smiled at me for some reason. You know, he like, you know, we said, okay, we're going to work through this, son. You know, but mm. there was never any withhold. So I come from an energy mm. of loving, even when things are messy. Mm. You see, that's that's a part of, of my, my growth. And then there's something about mom, I was going to say, but it, it'll come. Oh, and then, then the high level of mom. I, I I have a vision. It's probably a fantasy of really where the world is and the, the politics of the world is run by women. Yes. And I'm talking about mature women, not women who have been overly masculinized. Because a woman that holds that space, they don't have... If you ask a woman, and it's probably a man too, you know, who are your favorite children? They love them all. And so a woman that is running a country or a state or whatever, they're inclusive of everybody. Yeah. So we need spiritual leadership in which everyone is included in the city, in the nation, in the world. So a woman has that. They have that. I'm talking about a mature woman, not the one that's in the role of masculine woman, but a real woman holds that space. So I like I love it that we're now seeing the evolution of women stepping into these leadership roles. And, and as long as they don't become men in those roles, but stay powerful. I call it power and poise. Have the power and the poise, the masculine and the feminine together, we'll see a great change on our planet. And we, I, I think we're starting to see that now. We're seeing that. So in my own unfolding of and we talked a little bit about the desire and the, the permission to receive and, and to accept. I've had this base of, of unconditional love. And I think a lot for me growing up as a young man, it was always a shock, like a shock to my system when the unconditional love wasn't there from other people. It was like, a why, why, why are they acting like this? Because I didn't come from that space. Mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting that I helped find a community and the name of the community is Unconditional Love, mm. Agape. And that's very real to me. It's not like a figment of my imagination. It's not like a fantasy out there. I had direct contact with Unconditional Love through my parents and through my grandparents. And I have deep compassion for individuals who've never had that. Because mm -hmm. now they have to nurture themselves. They have to have a certain level of spiritual therapy in order to find that within themselves and to give it to themselves and to nurture that inner child and, and to actually come into that, which is very natural to me, you see. Now, um, you, you had another question in there. I, wanted, I don't want to sidestep it. I think the part about rest. About uh, rest I'm, just I'm just learning that, okay? Mm. And, and I think that over the last year, 
my internal no has become stronger because I was such a giver and such a individual that, that and I, I won't say people please, but I'd like to serve. If you ask me, I'm going to try to do it if it's within my power to assist. That's how I, I think I got a lot of that from my mom because she was very, and my dad too. They were very rarely on the receiving end of asking people for help. My dad was the one who loaned money to people of his friends. He wasn't the one borrowing money. My mother was the one that would help people. She wasn't the one that was in great need. So I think that I got that, that my yes was very strong in terms of assistance. And over the last year, probably longer than a year, but I see the fruits of it over the last year of, of rest and saying no to things. There's so many things that come into my inbox <laughs> about, can you do this? Can you speak here? Can you do this? Can you help us here? Can you do this? Can you do this? And it was always a yes. Let me see how I can do it. And now I'm taking care of Michael more mm -hmm. and, and it's curated more. I said, I can do this. I can't do this. Ask me another time, but I can't do that right now. I can do this, but I can't do this because as I teach and now practice more rest, is power. When you rest in the one, you rest and nurture yourself in the presence. You activate your soul faculty. Now there's more to share. You're not running from fumes. You're not giving from fumes. You're actually giving from the overflow. Now, <clears throat> these last couple of weeks for me, I have come back into an overflow mm -hmm. where I am concerned. Whereas over the last, I would say, you know, last six months, it's probably longer. It's probably been a year, but I can really tell the last six months, I was really running from fumes. In other words, I could do the minimum that I was asked to do as the leader of this community. I could, I could speak on Sunday. I could teach my classes. I could do a few other things, but there was no more to give. And so I became a little bit more insular, more quiet, more solitude and going into a deeper consciousness of rest. And about two weeks ago, I was speaking and I felt the overflow. It was like, woo, all this energy was flowing through me. And I had access to parts of myself and the sacred wisdom that was flowing through that I didn't have that much access before. Now, I don't think the average person could see the difference. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I was still doing my work every day. I'm still meditating every day. I'm still doing my introspective work, but I was shedding something and I needed rest. And now I'm feeling the fruits of that. And I'm not jumping into doing everything again. I'm still, I don't want to say monitor my energy because we're in tune with infinite energy, but I'm just very aware of what I have to say yes to and what's not mine to do. Some things aren't mine to do. And so I think rest is very important. And it's interesting because one of the themes of the month, speaking at Agape, was deep rest, and, and which I spoke about resting from worry, resting from fear, resting from boredom, resting from doubt, resting from busyness. Because oftentimes busyness is a counterfeit energy for creativity. People just, uh, they use busyness to anesthetize themselves from the fear and the anxiety they have within them. So you just get really busy. But busyness and creativity are not the same thing. Creativity comes from the soul. You're still enough, you catch a new idea, you, you, you catch a new way of being, and then it pulls you into action, where busyness is just covering up anxiousness. Yes. And then I um, segue into uh, St. Augustine's statement, I shall not rest until I rest in thee. We're actually resting and the evolutionary impulse that governs the universe and governs all creativity. We're resting in the one, we're resting in the presence, which does not make you lazy. It actually builds you up from inside out so that you're able to be more creative, but it's not an exhaustive creativity. It's you have to create because there's an overflow that's happening. It's a, it's a, totally, different, it's a totally different frequency, a totally different vibration. So I love rest. I love it so much because it's in that state of rest that then the soul gets to be in the prominent position in our life. 
<clears throat> excuse me, when we allow ourselves to rest. And that's why I feel like this work is so courageous. So anyone who's listening and you are on that treadmill and you know deep down, I need to rest. I need to be resourced. I need to be rejuvenated. I, I need this restoration. It is a courageous act often to go from the treadmill, and I can only imagine for you how many invitations you get and the different things that come, same with a woman, a mother. There's always that next invitation. There's that next thing to do. There's the laundry, there's cooking dinner, but just to really be the first person in your community, in your orbit, in your family to say, you know, life is short. Life is going to go by in just the blink of an eye, a nanosecond, and I want to live that life connected to my soul. And, mm -hmm. and, while, and while we're culturalized to not understand rest, our soul understands rest, you know, our soul gets it. So I love what you're saying. Thank you. Thank you. Any other last words? I want to be so respectful of your time. I want to have you back like 17 more times uh, <laughs> because my, there's a million different places that we could you go. travel and, so and many different go. places. You know, I think our culture and the Western world, they like the word hustle. I'm embracing the hustle. We have to hustle. And, and I'm not saying individuals should be inactive. There are moments where we have to hustle. We have to pick up our space. But just the word sometimes, I got to hustle is emanating from a sense of lack yeah so i'm going to fulfill i'm going to fill this void within me by hustling and getting something yeah but i think when you're from deep rest you you start to come from the awareness hmm i have something here this that i'm a there's an overflow here now i'm going to go out and i'm going to demonstrate it yeah. i'm going to manifest it i'm going to allow the invisible that i have to become visible so I'm not hustling as much as I am revealing that which is already within me, which reminds me of the law that's in the sacred Bible that says, you know, to he or she who has, more is given. And to he or she who has not, that which they have shall be taken away. And this is not personal. It's just a law saying, if you walk around feeling that you have something, then more is given to you. But if you walk around feeling that you don't have, than that which you, you're creating the energetic condition for that which you do have to be lost. So I think that sometimes when we get on our hustle, we're operating from not having. And when we come from our soul, we're operating from having. So there's nothing wrong with thriving, nothing wrong with harmonizing prosperity. There's nothing wrong with being totally healthy. There's nothing wrong with being creative. We're supposed to be that, that's, that's why we're here. When it comes from the soul, from your deep connection of spiritual practice and intentionality, then I did a poem many years ago called The Race is Over Even Before It Begins. It's already happening. Hmm. Now you're a living demonstration and a revelation of it. So totally different way to live life. What you're saying is so powerful. I just want everyone to be able to really ingest this because I think what I'm hearing you say, and you said it earlier when you said settling into the soul puts you into a state of abundance. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying now is that often, most often our doing comes from a place of lack. And so we're doing in order to overcompensate. You mentioned it earlier when you talked about your own journey of receiving and deserving. You use the word deserving and do I deserve? And I think at the end of the day, the soul loves to grapple with things. You know, the soul is here to grapple. It's not afraid of a little grappling. Yeah. And I think to give ourselves the space to unpack what are the ways that I might be doing to overcompensate? What are the ways that I might still feel, even as a grown adult, pockets of unworthiness, pockets of undeserving pockets of thinking I'm not enough. And where am I then on this treadmill unconsciously trying to overcompensate for that? Am I willing, am I courageous enough to begin to rest, to begin to slow down and say the most important thing I can do is to connect with those pockets so that I enter the space of abundance because I love what you're saying. True thriving to me is 
doing from a place of abundance, from a place of overflow, which is your, what you're talking about and speaking about has been your journey and your awakening. So it's so powerful. Absolutely. If we can have everybody just mm -hmm. contemplate moments in their life where they felt safe, loved and supported, and had all their needs met. Remember any moment, you can be a three-year-old kid, you can be seven years old, you can be 16, any time in your life where you felt those qualities and just breathe into those qualities, let those qualities amplify. And then from that awareness, say, what do I really want? You'll get a soul answer rather than a surface mind answer. Mm. Because when you are disconnected from feeling safe, supported mm -hmm. in love and all your needs met, then, you're, then the survival surface mind will say, well, I want this, I want this car. I want this gold watch. I, I want this house. I want this person. I want what that person has. It'll be immature wanting. But if you connect to my needs are met, mm -hmm. I'm loved and supported and I'm safe. And I ask, what do I really want? Now my soul will speak because you're not grappling after bobbles. Your soul will then speak and tell you what your calling is. Mm -hmm. that you're to give to the world from this space of abundance, mm -hmm. not doing from the face of lack. And this is why you find many people who have hustled their way into millions of dollars and are very discontented. Yes. To, to, that's the least that I could say about that, you know, yes. unhappy many times or depressed or didn't have to yes. yield to drugs or alcohol or some outlandish thing they have to do in order to feel alive. Jump out of 10 planes this week because the, 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 the abundance of the soul is not activated. Yeah, I don't know if there's such thing as podcast homework, but there's podcast homework here now. I just would love everyone go back, rewind the, this past minute and a half and give yourself permission. Even if you can't think of a time in your life when you were three or in the past in this moment, hmm. Just this moment, place your hand on your heart, ask yourself, oh, in this moment, all my needs are met. In this moment, my next breath is assured. In mm -hmm. this moment, all my needs are met. What is it that my soul truly needs and wants from me? That is a practice, that is a takeaway that I hope everyone will indulge themselves in moving forward. So thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I clearly could talk to you all day. I have, I have a fun question to ask you now. Where would people most likely find you on a Saturday afternoon? And then the serious part, where can people actually find you? Saturday afternoon, I'm kind of doing nothing because I'm, I'm getting ready to speak on Sunday. So there's a, there's a period of time on Saturday where I'm meditating, I'm, I'm catching a sentence that might be a seed point for the service. And that, that, that also happens closer in the evening. But if I could do what I want to do on a Saturday, which sometimes I can't, there's things that are happening. Or a Monday. I would go to the movies. Movies is an escape for two hours, no phone, nothing. I'm just watching the movie and I like going to the movies. Now, this is the thing about me. It doesn't even have to be a good movie. Yes, I know this. <laughs> I, I'm not like a heavy critic. Oh, that movie, that was terrible. I mean, there was a, one movie recently that was terrible, but anyway. Yes, I know this. But but most of the time, I just, I just like sitting there and seeing somebody else's idea come into manifestation on film. Yes. It's a good time for me, you know? Uh, so that's kind of a Saturday or, or a Monday. But, but Monday, I also do like, I've spoken on Sunday. So on Monday, I also do health, certain health things. I do a counter pulsation, which pumps my blood and clears my, my arteries and veins. There's certain health things I do. I like to go to the park. I like to be around nature. So Monday's kind of a cleansing from Sunday. And uh, if I could do anything I want to do on Saturday, it is, I, I, it'll be in nature or go to the movies. Sometimes the kids will come by and just hang out. It's kind of like doing nothing with intention. Yeah. Essentially doing nothing, but it's full. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And, and then share where everyone can find you, Instagram, agapelive.com. I will share all of that. They can go to uh, agapelive.com, A-G-A-P-E-L-I-V-E.com and see me speak and sometimes see Reverend Susie speak on Sundays, three services on Sunday, 
uh, there's so much that goes on. We have a university, you take classes. There's a lot we offer to the global community. You can you go to my Instagram page where I have daily offerings of inspiration. If you want to go directly to my personal website, you just go to michaelbeckwith.com and then you'll have other information that's curated for things I may be doing and speaking where I'm speaking in other places besides Agape. I also have a Facebook page, but those are the basic places you can you can find me. Yeah, and I will make sure that all of these are listed on the show notes and gets out to everyone because we just cannot get enough of you. You are just such a wise, warm, loving, stellar, mm. real, good man. And I'm, I'm. Every so time you say cool. that, I just my heart just. <laughs> when you say that, I embrace it, and then I, I want to, if I want to activate, I even want to be better. I want to be a better version of myself all the time. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Here's to many more conversations and go find Michael Bernard Beckwith. Thank you. And congratulations on this beautiful podcast. And we will talk soon. We will thrive together. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Much love to you and talk to you soon. If you're leaving inspired from this conversation, then I would ask you to please share this with someone in your life that you would love to see thrive. And as always, if you are leaving inspired from this conversation, I would so appreciate it if you would subscribe to Permission to Thrive so that you do not miss an episode. And please leave us a five-star review because this will assist us to get the message of thriving out to everyone on earth. You are here to thrive. You are here to shine. Please give yourself permission to thrive this week. Until next week, much love everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If there was something in this conversation that spoke to you, We'd so appreciate it if you would take the time to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share this episode with women and mothers you know, because you are here to thrive. See you next time.